You're listening to Marginalia, a podcast from New City Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Marginalia is a space where the pastors and staff of New City discuss the scribbles and the margins of our weekly sermons and life together as a community. I'm Abby Murrish, Director of Communications for New City, and today we are talking about John 7, 53 through 811, and I am joined by Mike Privatera and Brian Ferry for this conversation. How's it going? Hey, Hello. good. Good. I'm here in the flesh. In you are. The flesh. You sound much better. On a lot of than levels. over the phone. Yes. <laughs> and I don't have the flu. You know, Hallelujah. mercies abound. Um, so to get started this week, um, let's talk about something we're either listening to or reading that is enriching our lives, making us laugh, making us think, any of the above. I've been um, picked up this little book. I can't remember who recommended it. It's called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. It's by a, a Frenchman who was uh, worked in publishing, and he had a oh gosh, what's it called? A cardiovascular, um, a, a massive stroke is what they used to call it, and suffered from what was called what's called locked-in syndrome. His mind is completely awake, but his body is is gone, and so he dictated this book by. Um, the only thing he could move was his left eyelid, and so he and his speech therapist laid out the French alphabet in order of most common letters. And he dictated this book letter by letter. Wow. And it is this amazing story of him wrestling with like the beauty of the world, but also the, just the brokenness and the torment that he's experienced. It's, it, I, it's just fascinating. It's not real long, obviously, as you can imagine, that would be incredibly difficult to do, but it's, it's, and as far as I know, there's no faith connection or whatever, but it is just just beautiful um, the way that he's fighting or was fighting. He's deceased, I guess, now. It's just really fascinating. Tell us the title again. The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Okay. That sounds very good. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Nice. Well, in terms of, like, good reading. And I I'm, feel like Brian <laughs> went deep right Yeah, there. yeah. I'm, I'm started, just started. Well, I just uh, followed up. I mean, this is far more encouraging than The Road by Cormac McCarthy, which I think is what was yes. reading the last time we talked but about it. But my literary tastes seem very plebeian right now <laughs> compared to that. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm started uh, Eugene Peterson's The Pastor, which mm-hmm. is a memoir of his life and ministry. Um, just, just started it. Most of my reading energy has been going to the Expanse series, which is a sci-fi. Nice. It's like an eight-book series. I don't know if I necessarily can recommend it or endorse it, but it's really good. It's kind of like reading an action movie mm-hmm. uh, in space. Should we have had like a nerd alert before? Yes. <laughs> a nerd warning? It's so good. It's it's just, it's, it's really so addicting and catchy. And uh, it, it, you know, it takes into like real science, like how would gravity work in space and things like that. So there's this, it's not your typical sci-fi where people are just blasting around. No, it takes years to travel to planets and things like that. So it's... Wow. It's interesting. What's it called again? It's the X-Band series. There's the like X-Band eight of them. X-Band series. Yeah. Cool. cool. There's some language, so just be warned. Yeah. But otherwise, it's pretty good. That's great. So music-wise, I'll start with what I'm listening to. Um, I've gotten into the High Women, which is the new the new music group um, mm. inspired by the Highwaymen with like Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson. Cool, yeah. Someone else. Anyway, they have. Yeah. there's a station on Spotify for this group of um, women singers that I've really enjoyed. And then the other thing I'm listening to, I've been listening to a lot of books um, this start of 2020, which is unusual for me. And I'm listening to The Preacher's Wife by Kate Bowler. A lot of people know her from her book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies, I've been told. She's an academic um, in Duke, I believe. And she is chronicling Mm. 
evangelical women. It's an academic book, Evangelical Women in Ministry. So it's very fascinating. Mm, It's everything I've wanted in a book for about five years. So I am delighting in it. But yeah. Nice. So Mike, do you want to start us with a sermon summary? Yeah. So the sermon this week was um, on John 7. Verse fifty-three to eight, chapter or chapter eight, verse eleven, um, and it's the story of the woman caught in adultery. Pretty famous story um, about the Pharisees bringing this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery, and they say, "Hey, Jesus, you know this, the law says let's stone her," uh, and Jesus says, "You know, he who is out, who is without sin uh, cast the first stone," and the Pharisees walk away because um, they realize they have sin. And, and then Jesus pronounces uh, forgiveness. He says, you know, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Um, so this is really a, a picture, a par- an enacted parable, a life, a, a lived-out parable of God's grace and mercy toward sinners. So, and that none of us are too far gone to receive his grace and mercy. Yeah. Well, so much going on in this story. A yes. lot happening. Well, we don't have any sponsors this week. We still have a few queries out that we're waiting to hear back from folks. Maybe we lost them all last week uh, after yeah. the pothole incident. We've gone to a few Norwood potholes to see if they would consider coming on the show. But until then, since we have uh, Mike Privatera in the room, we thought we would ask him if there's anything we can be praying for for CCO. So that's Mike's ministry um, that he heads up on Xavier's campus. So Mike, what's happening there and how can New City be praying for you? Yeah, uh, best way that you can be praying is that the Spirit would bring awakening and revival on campus and open students' hearts to know Christ. Um, I feel like this year, I've been doing campus ministry now, I'm in, in year six, this is the first year that's felt the hardest and folks are just less receptive to um, even thinking about God. So be praying that the Spirit would be moving and uh causing students to ask big questions about what's the meaning and purpose of life and is there a God and who is he and what does that mean for me? So. Well, that's great. And um, coming up, you have a big conference Yeah, that some of your students are going We're on. heading to the Jubilee Conference in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, February 21st through 23rd. It's a conference for college students to think about faith and work and think about how can they use the things they're studying for the common good and the flourishing of the world and uh, as just ministry in God's kingdom. Awesome. So revival, and then we'll also be praying for some safe travels and Absolutely. moved hearts. Thank you. Cool. So, Mike, get us started. What are some things you want to talk about today? Well, someone after church on Sunday asked me about the very last line of this passage where Jesus says, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. And this person just said, you know, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> like, how— how do I do that? What is what is Jesus asking her to do? What is Jesus calling her to do? Uh, is that even possible? And so I really just wanted to think a little bit about um, this is this is about sanctification. This is about growth and holiness. This is about the Christian life in a lot of ways. What does it mean if Jesus offers me His mercy and forgiveness and then says, "Go and sin no more"? How do I? How should I read that? How should I interpret that? Because if there's one thing I do know is that I have kept sinning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, all the time. Exactly. So how do we? What do we make of that? <laughs> Just a nice. So it's either this or oh, adultery an easy to talk one. about. Very so easy. Yeah. Is, I mean, it's either this or we talk about sex for <laughs> a half hour. So you guys pick. But <laughs> well, I've always been encouraged by Romans seven and eight um, when it comes to this. Is you you go to Romans seven and you read Paul. He has this 
tongue twistery section where he says, you know, I, I don't do what I want to do. It's the very thing that I hate I do. And if I do what I don't want to do, then I agree that the law is good. That is, there is a sense of like, oh, I, I agree with right and wrong, which is a huge step in today's world sometimes. <laughs> this is right. This is wrong. Paul says, I see the thing that I want to do, but I can't do it. I don't do it. I do the very opposite of the thing that I want to do. And then he goes on to describe this as like a war going on between the spirit and the flesh. And it kind of ties into this passage because this whole thing culminates in Romans 8.1, for there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. After this long diatribe and, and, and sort of lament that of him saying, and I think any Christian who's been trying to walk the straight and narrow, so to say, for a while will feel this. I'm not doing what I want to do. I know what I want. It's out there, but I'm not doing it. I'm not living up to even my own standards. He comes down to there is therefore there no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus for the law of the of the Spirit has set you free. Uh, you know it's there's this tension, this war that he describes. He calls it a war between the Spirit and the flesh. And I think um, the high calling is go and sin no more. But there's also the realistic aspect of there is a war on between the Spirit and the flesh. You know when when you're dead in your transgressions, mm-hmm. you're dead and you don't care. You're sinning and you don't, ha- you don't have any sense of like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. But Romans 7, and I imagine this woman gets up and she goes, the, the no condemnation has now all of a sudden exposed the sin and now you have a choice. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you didn't have a choice before. I, I don't think the call is you should never do it and if you do, you'll be condemned. It's, that's the calling. Go and sin no more. We can't lower the standard, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same thing. I mean, I, I think in terms of, like, if my kids do something wrong, you know, they punch each other or something like that, which often happens with our boys as they're hitting each other. Uh, and, you know, you call them out for them. You say, hey, you can't do that. All right, apologize to each other. We forgive you. Now don't hit your brother anymore. Right. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. And what do they do? They hit each other. They hit each other <laughs> Yeah. The calling is still the same. The expectation is still don't do it. Yes. And then when they do, there is still the correction, don't do it. There's mercy, but the calling is still the same. Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, and it reminds me, well, back up and like, what is spiritual growth? And mm-hmm. that it's just not this light switch of I sinned and now I don't sin. Um, the Eugene Peterson phrase, I think, like a long obedience in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Is that the right? Yeah. 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 For discipleship. Yep. Um, and it's that idea too, I think plays into this is that we're just not, not never going to do this thing again, but it's instead our eyes are fixed on Jesus, our savior, and we're going to keep following him and we're going to stumble. We're going to fall, but there's going to be grace. And the fact is we're still moving toward him and to our home in the new Jerusalem. And so I think that's really liberating. And then the, the goal, I think too, there can be an orientation. Maybe we can talk about this a little bit more. There's like, we can be oriented, I think, in two different ways in our Christian life. One is to be oriented around just not sinning. Mm-hmm. And then one is oriented around pursuing Jesus and the things that he calls good. And I think those things can take us in different directions. <laughs> you know, if I'm yes. just oriented around not sinning, that's like, I think, an adventure in missing the point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and that's really not leaning into the grace of Jesus, where if my orientation is focus on Jesus, his beauty, the glory of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. And if I'm pursuing that thing, I think the going and sinning no more will slowly follow. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's what are you focused on? If I'm just focused on the sin and not doing it or um, behavior management, well, I'm kind of focused on something down here versus if I have my eyes fixed on the cross, then I have my eyes heavenward. I'm, I'm, I have a loftier goal. You know, in youth ministry, people would... I worked in youth ministry for a lot of years and people were like, well, why don't you talk about like the hot topics or whatever? It's like, well, the hot topics change. And if you're focused on those things and what are you really focused on rather than if you focus on the gospel, point people to Jesus, keep them focused in that direction. It, it can be now as you grow towards Christ, you should sin less, not be sinless, but you should sin less, right? Not sin more. I, I think that's, or different, you feeling. stop sinning in certain ways, and maybe you become more aware of other sins. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. 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 I think at this point in my Christian life, I am far more aware of my sin than I was five, ten years ago. Just, yeah. And I think in one sense I am sinning less, but in another sense I just have eyes to see things. Because you see the holiness of God in a more glorious way and the call that he has on your life, and then you see the way you're falling short of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or things become different struggles, you know? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, life changes or whatever, and we should become have a heightening awareness of our sin. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not sinning more, but that we would have more sin that we become aware of. Mm-hmm. Yes. The sins may not be as grievous or as heinous as it talks about in Westminster. You may, maybe the fallout is not as bad. Um, you know, and this is if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you know, how many times you've heard people say, oh, I love the Sermon on the Mount. And they're like, well, if you love it, you probably don't understand it. I think it. you like the Beatitudes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You probably don't understand it because, and you mentioned this on Sunday, you know, Jesus says not only don't commit adultery, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. And mm-hmm. Jimmy Carter got himself into trouble, however long ago that was, you know, oh, saying right, I commit yeah. adultery every day. And um not exactly, but what he was doing was he was communicating that high standard. And the, the Sermon on the Mount is one of those things that even though your, your sins may not be sin of adultery, raises the standard so you become more aware of the root of your sin and maybe become more aware of it. So I don't know if that answers the question, what does this statement mean, this high calling of sin no more? The calling stands. Mm-hmm. But the calling is not in isolation from the rest of Scripture, too. Well, and I think that's the important thing. And even this, this calling is rooted in the event itself of Jesus not condemning her, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's rooted in, I don't condemn you. Therefore, go and sin no more. And, so, and that's the same with, I mean, even the Paul's letters, if you look, that's the f- uh, format or the structure of most of Paul's letters, uh, where he talks about here is here is what's true. Here's the indicatives. Mm-hmm. Here's what God has done for you in Christ. Now here's the commandments. Uh, and I think it was Herman Ritterboss, who's a Dutch theologian. You don't have to read him, uh, but he talks. He says some quote about like, you know the the imperatives are rooted in the indicatives, uh-huh. and the orders never reverse. Uh-huh. This idea that what God calls us to do is always rooted in God's uh, action of grace and mercy toward us first. Uh, and we we pursue holiness, we pursue fighting against sin because of what Christ has done for us and rescuing us and dying on our behalf and and making us part of His people. And so it's never it's never the opposite. Well, I need to, if I if I need if I stop sinning, then God will love me. It's always no. God has loved me. God has shown me grace, and therefore I fight against sin and I try not to make. And I think First John talks about this. He says, you know, whoever makes a practice of sinning. This idea of like mm-hmm. there's a difference between sinning and then making a practice of sinning and doing it intentionally. Unrepentant, unrepentant. brazen. Yes. And we may never achieve Christian perfection in this life. 
No. Certainly won't, right? Won't. Romans <laughs> 7 yeah. applies to someone who is a Christian. We may never receive, achieve Christian perfection, but that is what we are made for. And someday, right, yes. we will be made perfect. It will be over. We, we so when Christ appears at the resurrection. That's what we are made for in yeah. Christ is perfection, and that, in a sense, like life is the longing for it, the movement towards it, the God's kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven, so that one day it will be established. So the end that is the end. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. just longing for it and working towards it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think not to make our perfection. I'll say it again, the focus, but instead looking at the perfect one in mm-hmm. Jesus is the good news for us. And so our, I guess, see these obsessions with just, even just, I think in our secular world, this just doing better, like more, better habits, becoming better, better, better. And I think those can be really good things because they can help us orient toward the good and the beautiful. But as long as we're still looking at ourselves and our own perfection, we're going Things won't be working right in our lives. So the ultimate goal is to look to Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you look at yourself, you'll ultimately just be disappointed because we are deeply flawed. Yes. And uh, the reality of what the Bible says about sin is true, which it is. Uh, We are, you know, there's 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 layers that we. It's like a onion layer. You peel peel it off. You're like, oh, I'm good. I'm done with this sin. And then you realize, oh man, there's something else there. There's pride that I didn't know. I remember when I became a dad. uh, I never used to thought I was an angry person. Uh, and then I remember like the first time our oldest son started screaming at 3 a.m. in the morning and I re- this just these well of this well of anger rose up in me and I was like, whoa, where did this come from? Uh, and it was just the change in situation showed, revealed something about myself of just I, I have a lot of anger mm-hmm. <laughs> and I struggle with that, but yeah. I didn't know it before. Right. So. And bouncing back, I was thinking Jesus command, go and send no more to the woman. I think it's really interesting that she is the one who hears those words and the Pharisees are all gone. They're out of mm-hmm. there. And so kind of this idea that God's commands are also promises that like, not that once again, not that the goal is just to, to never sin. That's not going, that's not what's going to happen until Jesus returns. But like, that is a promise that like Jesus is with us and his power is with us to overcome these sins that seem overwhelming and burdensome. And that, yeah, we don't know how we can face and Dallas mm-hmm. Willard has this quote that, you know, grace is opposed to earning, not opposed to effort. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so yep. key about this story is that, that there is no condemnation. The condemnation is taken away. And so now go and sin no more. What he's done is it's like, well, you not sinning is not going to earn you no condemnation. There already is no condemnation. So you are now free to go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't, it takes away the earning aspect of it, right? Which is probably the Pharisees problem. Um, that's the way they were approaching this was sort of transactional. I'm earning God's favor. I'm working towards my righteousness. Whereas this, that's completely off the table, right? The grace is opposed not to effort, but to earning. So by all means, go from here and try. Mm-hmm. Sin no more. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But it's not earning you anything because it's already done. Well, and the command to go and sin no more, like, that is good news. Like mm-hmm. that not sinning is good news. And I think we can often see our sins as our pleasures, mm. but like what's on the other side of not sinning is life to the fullest yeah. and life beautiful and good. And so, yes, we have to give up maybe momentary pleasure or something that feels really good, whether that's our anger or our bitterness. 
um, like pet sins, whatever it is, we might have to give those up, but that is the road to true life. I'm going to I'm gonna have to think about that. Think about that statement as go and sin no more as a good news promise, not a killjoy statement. Cause yes. it, it can sort of feel that like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is now a, 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 a statement that is either killjoy or so burdensome that I can't possibly, but rather than this is somehow a freeing statement. Because think about for this woman, it's like an invitation to living in relationships the way God intended them to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is beautiful. Like that's where flourishing is going to come. And it, so, yes, it's giving up this passionate, I, we don't know this woman's story in full. It's giving up something for her. But the, on the other side of that command is this like invitation to the good life of our God. Yeah, and I mean, for this woman, it's freedom. I mean, again, we don't know her story, but I mean, she could be being used by a man. You know, she could be trapped in something she doesn't want to, but Christ is offering her freedom here. And even, I mean, this is kind of a near-death experience for her. You, I mean, you would think just naturally, like, man, you get caught in something like this, and, you know, these guys want to kill you, the Pharisees want to kill you, and all of a sudden, uh, Jesus is saying, no, I'm not, you're free, I'm not going to condemn you. That would probably lead to some change, too. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I, you know, am out, I don't know, hiking near some cliffs, and I'm not paying attention to my surroundings, and I almost step off the edge... Probably the next time I uh, go out hiking, I'm, I'm going to be more aware of my surroundings, or I might change the way I live in light of that. So it's, it's, it's offering freedom in life for her. Mm-hmm. In his book, Telling the Truth, Frederick Biegner writes, The gospel is bad news before it is good news. It is the news that man is a sinner, to use the old word, that he is evil in the imagination of his heart, that when he looks in the mirror, all in a lather, what he sees is at least eight parts chicken, phony, slob. That's the tragedy. But it is also the news that he is loved anyway, cherished, forgiven, bleeding to be sure, but also bled for. That's the comedy. And yet, so what? So what if even in his sin, the slob is loved and forgiven when the very mark and substance of his sin and of his slobbery is that he keeps turning down the love and forgiveness because he either doesn't believe them or doesn't want them or just doesn't give a damn? An answer, the news of the gospel is that extraordinary things happen to him just as in fairy tales, extraordinary things happen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Marginalia. For show notes or for more information about New City Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at newcitycincy.org. That's newcitycincy.org. Thanks for listening.